Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. Ladies and gentlemen, joined today on the podcast, Teron Davenport, ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Tennessee Titans. Teron, how you doing, man? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So uh, right now you are covering the Tennessee Titans. Uh, obviously, though, you've been many other places in the NFL uh, as a reporter. Just give our, our listeners a little bit of a background more about yourself, uh, teams you covered, all that good stuff. Yeah, well, I I first got into the business covering the 49ers. I did remote coverage of them, but I was also on site. I would go to San Francisco, uh, the Bay Area from Fridays to Tuesdays and, you know, cover the team uh, there at, at games and, you know, some of the, the press conferences the day after the game, et cetera. And uh, that was definitely a, a way for me to cut my teeth. And then from there, I was in Baltimore covering the Baltimore Ravens for the Baltimore Times as, as their beat reporter. And I moved on to Philadelphia covering the Eagles in 2016 and 17 for USA Today's The Eagles Wire. And then uh, since July 29th, 2018, I've been here in Nashville covering the Titans for ESPN. Awesome. Yeah, awesome, man. That's a, a lot of places, covered a lot of good football teams. I am a, a diehard Eagles fan, so uh, I'm interested to get your take on how things went when you were there for the Super Bowl run. Is that correct? Yeah, I was there for the Super Bowl run. That that was when I really saw the most growth uh, a, as a journalist, and, and I really learned how to pull on my past playing experiences and use that to my advantage in, in relating to players and talking to them and getting them to, you know, get into game plans and those type of things, uh, establishing that trust level. So it went really well. I wrote two books while I was there. Uh, one was on Carson Wentz. That book did really well. And then I did another one uh, about a year after. Uh, it was released a year after the uh, Super Bowl season called A Team Makes a Miracle. And that was just a reflective piece from stories that I, I talked to a bunch of the the Eagles within, you know, that organization that, that had a lot to do with the Super Bowl run. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's uh, on my to-do list for this quarantine time, for sure. Uh, just being able to relive those moments uh, and, and read uh, your take on the team uh, down there in Philly. Of course, we're going to get to the Titans in a second, but I want to ask, who was your favorite Philadelphia Eagle uh, to cover during your time there during that Super Bowl run? Uh, that's tough. I it, it it was three of them. I well, man, I, I can't even pick just one because I, I had a really good relationship and still have that with Nelson Aguilar. Malcolm Jenkins was really good. We had a close relationship. Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey was fun. Uh, there there were so many guys. I mean, that whole team was just a, a blast. You know, talking to Rasul Douglas about things other than football. Stephen yep. Means. Um, you know, Jay, Jalen, uh, Jay Mills, man, w w was fun. Talk. That whole team uh, as a whole, I, I couldn't really pick just one guy. So there were different things about different guys that I liked. Yeah, and that's that's the vibe I got as a fan, too, just kind of watching 
that season. I mean, the camaraderie that those guys had, it was just evident, not even being, you know, inside with the team. It is just evident to the fans and to the entire NFL community. Um, it's interesting you bring Nelson Aguilar up because, uh, you know, we're a fantasy football podcast. And um, so we care about production on the field a ton, especially for skill position players, so to speak. Um, Nelson Aguilar recently signs with the Raiders. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fit there for a guy like Aguilar who might be looking to uh, resurrect his career, so to speak? Obviously, uh, things didn't work out perfectly for him as being an alpha receiver or the, the top receiving option for the team uh, in Philly. Yeah, I thought that was one of the teams that would be a good fit for him. Uh, and it allows him to get to the West Coast, you know, a little more laid back. I felt the Saints were also a good fit. But I, I think being there in John Gruden's West Coast offense, he'll get a chance to play some slot. Obviously, they have Hunter Renfro there. But I just like the fact that he'll get chances to catch the ball and make plays after it because that's something that he's really good at. Uh, I want to talk about the Titans, though, Teron. Obviously, you're covering that team, and, and like I said, we're a fantasy football podcast. And man, the Titans offense was fun for fantasy, especially down the stretch. Before we get into the specific pieces on that offense, I got to ask, do you play fantasy football? Yeah, I, I got back into it this year. I played uh, three ESPN leagues. I was the champion in two of them. So I, I dabbled a bit, go. you know. Yeah, awesome. Uh, curious, how many Titans do you have on your roster usually? <laughs> Actually, I didn't have any. For for me, in, in my two leagues that, that I won, it was all about Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Uh, and those were picks that I made. And I remember getting laughed at a bit for picking Lamar. I actually had Ben Roethlisberger as my quarterback, and he got hurt. You know, so I, I, I pulled Roethlisberger, put him on IR, and, you know, Lamar, I rode it out with him for the rest of the season and won. Yeah, Lamar was an absolute cheat code if you had him in fantasy last year. Uh, absolutely unreal season for him in Baltimore. But getting back to the Titans, you know, Ryan Tannehill is a guy that entering the 2019 season was not on anyone's fantasy football radar. Uh, obviously playing uh, as the backup behind Marcus Mariota and came on and just absolutely took control of the role uh, as a starting quarterback and really was a dynamic asset for fantasy. Obviously did wonders for the Titans offense. He just signed a four-year, $118 million deal uh, with the team. What are your thoughts on the deal? And do you think he is the long-term answer there at quarterback for the Titans? Yeah, I think the deal, even though it's, 118 million, 62 of it is completely guaranteed. So it's guaranteed against injury performance and cap space. It's really, in essence, a, a three-year deal. So I, I think it's a good deal that the Titans did. They could get out of it with minimal penalty. You know, things don't go right over those those three years. But if they do go right, they have a quarterback at a discount, at a bargain. So. I could see Tannehill being at the quarterback for the next three years, but beyond that, it still remains to be seen. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, for a guy like that who, um, you know, just a year ago at this point, I think was largely considered a backup because of what had unfolded in Miami and, and just kind of never really took that step forward. So it was really encouraging. And, you know, whenever that happens for a player, it's so fun to see them resurrect their career. So hopefully good things are ahead for Ryan Tannehill uh, and the passing attack. I want to take our conversation to that 
that passing attack because on this podcast we are huge AJ Brown fans. Um, man, the guy is electric with the ball. Twenty point two yards per reception last year. Just an absolute, you know, weapon down the field and, and so explosive with the ball in his hands. Is last season just AJ Brown scratching the surface? You know what? What is your outlook for AJ Brown? Do you think he could be a top five, top six wide receiver talent in the NFL uh, when it's all said and done? Yeah, I think last season was just scratching the surface because if you notice, he had that that stretch down the the final part of the uh, the season. You know, excluding the Marshawn Lattimore game where he. I think he only had one catch and he drew a pass interference. But I, I think that's the next step for him to be able to go against those top tier corners and actually have an impact in the stat sheet in addition to dictating the coverage the way he does. But a lot of things with him still are, are left to be uh, improved upon. You know, he's a guy that could get better at, at, at the release. You know, um, I, I watched him begin to get better with his routes. He's working with wide receiver coach Rob Moore, who's a former player. So he's starting to learn some of the nuances as far as you know, getting separation at the top of the routes. They work very hard in practice. So I would find it hard to believe that next year there isn't or this year, actually, there isn't some kind of improvement. And when you look at it, I, I think he has full potential to be at the very least a top 10 receiver. And in my opinion, you know, I struggle to find two or three guys better than him running the football after the catch. Yeah, and he just has that body type, too, right? That he, he kind of looks like a running back with the ball in his hands. Uh, strong, strong kid and really effective with the ball in his hands. So he's a fun player. If you own him in fantasy, he's a fun player to root for. No doubt about it. We love him uh, on this podcast. Give us your best attribute for a guy like A.J. Brown. Is it the ball in his hands, explosiveness, like you said? Is it is it the release off the line? Is it winning downfield? What would you say is his best attribute? It's yards after the catch and the confidence he has in his catching ability. That's really what it boils down to. He's the guy that runs through the catch. And to explain that, what I'm saying is when you see him running those slants and the quarterback is throwing the football, leading him the way Tannehill does, he doesn't slow down before he catches it. He actually accelerates into the, the football and catches it and accelerates right after it. So the yards after the catch is, is the top thing for him because of that. But then in addition to that, the strength that he brings. You look at the Raiders game, Daryl Worley, we're talking about a six feet, six one, two hundred plus pound corner, just bounced off of him. And in fact, Worley got hurt. So yeah. it, it just kind of tells you what he brings to the table. He's hard to bring down, but he also so has quietly legit speed. You know, this is a guy that ran a four four nine. You know, at the combine and, and to do that at his size, I mean, that's that's really uh, doing something. Yeah, no doubt about it. One other pass catcher there that I want to spend just a, a minute or two on, kind of talking about, uh, is Corey Davis. And you know, he was a guy that in fantasy football circles um, and in dynasty formats, where I'm not sure if you're familiar, but basically you draft these guys as rookies and then you have them on your roster until you either trade them or drop them. He was taken in the top two or three picks of those rookie drafts in 2017 when he came into the league. Obviously, he was a top five NFL draft pick. And I think in general, fantasy football players and maybe potentially NFL fans would consider Corey Davis at this point to have not reached his potential. Uh, you know, and it's it's entering what year four now. Do you feel like Corey Davis still has more to prove and more to gain? Is he a player that if you're playing in one of those dynasty formats because you're so close to the team and you see him in practice and all that kind of stuff, 
would you say he's potentially worth a buy low in fantasy football? Well, I, I told Corey himself, I, I told him this, and I'm serious when I say it. He's the most talented wide receiver in the division. Now, the other thing I told him is getting production out of that talent is a bit of a different story. But if you look just pure talent, I don't think there's a, including A.J. Brown, I don't think there's a receiver that's better than it. But the problem is in that offense, and especially this past year, A.J. Brown just took over as, as the number one receiver. But in that offense, you know, since he's been there, it hasn't been consistent. You know, he dealt with injuries, and he just continues to have that number five pick sticker on him, and that just changes the paradigm that, that you know, the, the glasses that people look at him through. He's a talented receiver. There's still a lot more to, to be done. I think, really, if you put him in a scheme, like you put him on the Raiders, you put him on the Saints, you put him, uh, you know, on the Chargers, you put him in these offenses that, you know, the Colts, that, that use guys and maximize their ability, I, I think, you know, he, he will be a top-flight receiver. So there's a lot of things with that. You know, Ryan Tannehill has admitted to missing him uh, at times, you know, so – uh, end of the day, I don't see him back after this year. I, I highly doubt to pick up the fifth-year option. So I wouldn't draft him in dynasty unless, like, you, you have, like, you could you could draft him and tuck him and hope that he ends up in the right situation, you know, which would probably happen being as though he'll be a free agent. So just have to see how that works. Yeah, it's Ron. I gotta, I gotta make some trade offers here in my dynasty leagues before I release this part of the podcast. <laughs> a little insider <laughs> info there. So uh, that's excellent on on Corey Davis. Uh, you alluded to it, you know, with just the offense in general not being one of those high flying passing attacks. Not necessarily the identity of this offense. No doubt about it is Derrick Henry, and it is that offensive line. So I want to spend a few minutes on him, and then I'll let you get out of here. Derrick Henry, I mean, absolutely unreal last year. What can you say about the guy? Led the NFL in, in rushing, over 300 carries, absolute bell cow. You know, in today's NFL, I feel like the the most common way of thinking about contract situations with these running backs is you don't pay running backs. I mean, but for a guy like that, he was so evidently the, the focal point of the offense. Talk a little bit for me a little bit about the contract situation. Obviously, he signed the tag. Is there a chance he potentially holds out? I know he was hoping to get some some more long-term money uh, in a new deal. Yeah, I, I think they're going to end up finding a way to get a deal done with him. But when you talk about a guy that's a dynamic runner, when you talk about a guy that's unique, he, he's a unicorn. And, and Ryan Tannehill said it himself, he, how special he is. You know, He's that rare guy that, that could bang at the line of scrimmage, break tackles, early in the run, but if he gets to the second level, he has the speed to be able to accelerate away from the defense. And you saw him do it so many times. In fact, he was only caught from behind one time, and that was by Marcus Peters in that Ravens game, and he was sick about that. So when it comes down to just being a, an absolute playmaker, he, he's he's one of the, the running backs that you have to pick. And the thing that's interesting with him and so many people knock him for his pass-catching skills one of the longest receptions for a touchdown last year came by the way of Derrick Henry. It was a 70-plus yarder in the season opener against the Browns. So I get it, routes like Le'Veon Bell, but 
You can still use him in the screen game, and that's something they like to do. In fact, his 22-yard screen catch against the Patriots set up uh, his touchdown uh, against them, you know, in that win in, in the uh, wild card round of the playoffs. So Derrick Henry's a player, and he's someone that you have to get your hands on. And the cool thing with him is, you know, as the game wears on, he continues to wear down defenses to get better. 14 of his 18, including the playoffs, touchdowns came in the second half. Yeah, and you, you touched on it, you know, just how unique he is. I mean, we don't have any other running backs right now that are as big as he is, as explosive, as athletic. I mean, he's just an absolute monstrosity out there, and it's just so fun to watch. Um, you talked about his pass-catching ability, and I agree with you, man. If if they get him a couple of screens a game, it, it almost seems just watching the games like it is literally unstoppable. So uh, I would hope that, you know, for fantasy football purposes especially, that that continues, and obviously for the Titans' offense, that continues as well. My last question for you here, and then I'll let you get out of here, is is just touch for me a little bit about the loss of Jack Conklin in free agency to Cleveland. Do you think that's a huge deal for this offensive line? Do you think that affects Henry or, or Ryan Tannehill in a negative way at all? Yeah, so Jack Conklin, losing him is going to uh, somewhat hurt the Russian attack. I don't think it will be a major pitfall for them. He was one of the best run-blocking offensive linemen they had, but I tell you, one of the things they like to do more and more is run to the left side. They're a left-handed football team. You know, they're going behind Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold. At the same time, when you look at pass protection, there's not much of a drop-off in pass pro from Conklin to Dennis Kelly. And Dennis Kelly is a decent run blocker, too. He's, he's rather athletic. I mean, the guy caught two touchdown passes last year, but – uh I think Conklin on paper is a big time loss for for them, but I I don't think it's going to really impact what they do on Sundays. They're still going to run the football, and I think they're going to do it well. Yeah, perfect summary there. Uh, Teron, thanks so much for your time, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Just let our listeners know where they can find you uh, on social media if, if you want to share that. And then as well, I know you do a couple of you know podcasts and that kind of thing on your own, so feel free to plug any of your content, any of your information that you want here for our listeners? Yeah, sure. You could go to at TDavenport underscore NFL. That's on Twitter. And then if you want to check out just a lot of draft content, uh, you could go to, I have a show here in Nashville on ESPN Nashville radio, the game 102.5. You could go there uh, to their website, the game Nashville to catch the streams of the show. And it's called talking with TD. You could also search it on Google, Spotify, Apple, any of those uh, talking with W-I-T-H-T-D. We just had Marlon Davis and Zach Moss and Logan Wilson on, and uh, I'm working on Jalen Hurts for this next next week, so definitely stay tuned there. Uh, you, ESPN.com, of course. Go ahead and click on NFL and then click on Teams, Titans, right there, and, and subscribe to that, and that's a way to get all the content that I put up. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, hope you're staying safe during these crazy times in the country. Uh, and I'll be looking forward to following your work throughout the season. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Tron. You got it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.